Good morning, Spring Creek Church. I'm Pastor Jessica, and I'm super excited to be able to preach the Word of God today to you. I hope that you enjoyed worship because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, we've been going through this series, Bless Brokenness, and I, I, I've totally been blessed by this by this series. And I hope that you've been blessed as well. And, and if you haven't had an opportunity to go back and watch the first two, please make sure that you do that. You can watch us on YouTube or our Facebook page to be able to, to enjoy those sermons. This week, we're discussing blessed brokenness of meekness. Matthew 5, 5 says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. That, that statement is such a paradox because everyone has an idea or opinion of what they believe meekness really is. What is the definition of meekness? Even when people say that they don't have an opinion, they actually do have an opinion. Let me prove that to you. Have you ever heard of the website Quora? If you haven't heard of that website, you can post questions and then people can freely uh, provide you answers to those questions. But here's the danger with that website is that some people have the craziest of answers. Some people sound so intellectually advanced and legit, but they are completely misinformed. And now they have decided that they're going to pass on their misinformation to you. I like to call them confident liars. Out of curiosity, I went to Cora and I looked up the responses to what does it mean to be meek? In a very convincing answer from a person who states that they have 30 years experience in human behavior, emotions, and psychology, they answered the questions with 230 words of no opinion, which means that they believe that these are complete facts. This person said, I have no opinion of a meek person, but a person can choose to be meek and often they are if they haven't been taught courage or if authority has oppressed them to the point of being fearful to stand for anything. He continues on by saying, Meekness often happens when a person doesn't know who they are, has no trust in their core values, or is brought up to fear going after any reward for themselves. In the end, meekness comes from being in the company of thieves and not feeling worthy or good enough to win against them. And to put the icing on the cake, he says, lack of experience in winning for just causes is what causes meekness. And of course, he says, not to be confused with simplicity, quietness, or patience. What this person just said is that meekness means that a person is cowardly, fearful, lacks self-worth, lacks self-confidence in their core values, is fearful of success, and they are complacent in their failure to be aggressive. After hearing that, how can, they, how can the meek inherit the earth? How can they inherit the continent, the country, the state, the city, the town, or even their own homes? In essence, as a society, we value bravery, pride and self, courage, aggressiveness in the pursuit of success at all costs, and taking what we deserve and what belongs to us. This is exactly what the Jewish people believed during Jesus' time. They were being oppressed and controlled by the Romans. They hated being in bondage and longed to be free and independent again. But through all of that, they had hoped that the Messiah was coming. They believed that when the Messiah came, that he would lead them in a revolution against the Romans and Israel would experience freedom once again. This is what the people were feeling. This is what they were anticipating. This is what they were expecting to see happen. 
So when Jesus arrives on the scene preaching in Galilee with an authoritative and political tone declaring the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, they believed the Messiah and the Savior had arrived. Yes, Jesus Christ, the Messiah did arrive, but not in the way that they expected. They thought that Jesus was going to lead them in conquering Rome by setting up his political kingdom that would free them from the oppression and the bondage that they were experiencing at the time. They believed that he would come in like Hercules, one of the most popular and greatest of all Greek heroes, a half god of superhuman strength, the epitome of bravery and masculinity in the ancient world, and the most notable champion of all the Olympian, uh, the Olympian order. He protected the people from monsters and earthly villains. And even though he had a short temper, violent passions, and lacked self-control that may have gotten a couple of innocent people killed, the magnitude of his good deeds was impressive. And that earned him the prize of immortality. They believed Jesus with all his Hercules strength would help them build a nation where they could own land and would not live in poverty, where they could be free to be themselves, where they could live in peace. Then Jesus begins teaching his inner circle of disciples with his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And the Jewish people see, uh, they see it as a preparation of an army who will fight for their freedom. He begins with the Beatitudes and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he continues on and says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And then he continues on and says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I can imagine the Jewish people thinking, what in the Holy Savior is this? What is happening right now? Jesus is supposed to come in here like Hercules and lead us so that we can ultimately be free. And they're thinking, Jesus, I'm poor. I'm not happy about it. I'm in a constant state of mourning and I don't feel comforted and meekness is not going to deliver us from the Romans. But what they didn't understand is that meekness is actually strength and that Jesus didn't come to rule nations, but he came to rule the hearts of the men who believe. This is what Pastor Keith has been talking about when he talks about the upside down kingdom. And it is radically different than what they were expecting. But isn't that how Christ works? Our expectations are not Christ's expectations. Though they didn't understand, this upside down kingdom was better than anything that they could have imagined on their own. But to understand the blessing of the kingdom of God, we need to understand the strength in meekness. So that gives us the question, what exactly is meekness? And I, I just hate to be so cliche, but I'm going to say it. Meekness is not weakness. In the English language, the word meek is hardly a compliment, just as I showed you earlier. But meek in Greek is called praus, which is a great virtue. Aristotle wrote that praus was the perfect balance between the one who is never angry and the one who is always angry. In other words, it's not someone who's timid, but neither is it someone who gives into fits of anger as well. But strength lies somewhere in the middle. It's all about the balance. But true meekness is humility that rests in God and rejects the temptation to be self-sufficient, 
self-righteous, and prideful while trying to achieve all our wants and all our desires. And basically all that means is we fight the temptation to take care of matters in our own hands when we feel like everything is going wrong. And that is tough. I know that that's tough for you because I know that that's tough for me. When everything seems like it's falling apart, our temptation is to do God's work for him because we know what's best. When the reality is God always knows what's best. This word prowse means far more than the English word for meekness means. There is no one word which translates to it best, but if we could pick a word, the word would be gentle. Because prowse is such a complex word, there are various possible translations for the third beatitude. Blessed are those who are always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. And that seems totally impossible. Blessed are those who have every instinct, every impulse, every passion under control. And I've, that seems impossible as well. Think about how many times we started a diet. Blessed are those who are entirely self-controlled. Think about how many people have cut you off on the road and you wanted to say or you have said things that you probably weren't supposed to say. Blessed are those who have the humility to know their own ignorance, their own weakness, and their own need. See, in reality, all these are true. Yes, it is essential to strategically control our anger. And yes, meekness is displaying self-control over every impulse and passion. And yes, we should walk in humility and recognize our own uh, ignorance and weakness and needs. But the full translation of this third beatitude must read, the bliss of those who are always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time, who have every instinct, impulse, and passion under control because they themselves are God-controlled who have the humility to realize their own ignorance and their own weakness for such people can indeed rule the world. Now that definition sounds so much better because this definition recognizes that self-control only happens when we are 100% submitted to the will of the father. So, so what does meekness look like in our everyday lives? Well, Jesus is the perfect example of meekness. Luke 23 describes the moment where Jesus was crucified. He was wrongly accused, unjustly persecuted, hung on the cross in the middle of two criminals, on, on, on one on his right and one on his left. In this moment, Jesus, the son of God, could have demonstrated anger and wrath for the level of mistreatment and unappreciation he was experiencing. And I'm sure that we have all experienced wrath and anger when we feel that we have been wronged. He could have commanded the angels to fight for him. He could have spoken a word and, and, and vengeance would, would have been his. He could have cursed them. He could have gotten revenge for the rejection that he was experiencing. He could have demonstrated Hercules strength and saved himself from the cross and annihilated everyone on the way to his freedom. But instead, Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. 
The people taunted him and they mocked him. They challenged him to save himself if he truly was the king of the Jews. But all through this disrespect and torture, Jesus remains at peace, humble and self-controlled, all under the submission and the will of God. And then as one of the criminals insults Jesus, the other criminal defends him and recognize that he truly was the king of the Jews and asks him to remember as he comes into his kingdom. Jesus, with the perfect example of meekness, he says to the criminal, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And there you have it, the perfect example of meekness. So since now we have the perfect example, what does lack of meekness looks like? And we could give so many practical examples every single day of lack of meekness. But I want to show you a biblical example of what the lack of meekness looks like. So in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it talks about King David, who was the second king of Israel. He commits adultery by sleeping with another man's wife, Bathsheba. And then on top of all that, he gets her pregnant. Well, he finds out that she's pregnant and then he summons her husband from war to try to make him go home and sleep with Bathsheba to cover up the fact that he has impregnated a married woman. But her husband, who's a man of honor, refuses multiple times to sleep with her because his army is still out fighting the war and he refused to enjoy himself while they were still out there experiencing suffering. Finally, after David's plans fail, he conspires to have Bathsheba's husband killed on the front line of the war, and he actually succeeds. David doesn't show any self-control over what he desires. He desired Bathsheba, and he took her. He didn't want to get caught, and he didn't want to pay the consequences for his sins, so he conspired to get her husband killed. And he lacked humility because he could have just confessed and he could have just suffered the consequences because of his inability to recognize his own ignorance. God uses the prophet Nathan to help him see his own pridefulness. Nathan went to David and told him a story in first Samuel 12, one through seven. And Naaman tells him this story. There are two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb he had bought. He raised it and grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to see him. Instead, he took the lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. When David heard, it, heard this, he burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. And just like that, David had, sh had had to be shown his own foolishness. David didn't recognize his own ignorance and waited to be confronted by the prophet. But why wait that long? 
When God has given us the ability with his help to cultivate meekness in our own lives. So what can we learn from David about cultivating meekness? We can learn to recognize our own ignorance. Y'all, and that is hard. The Greek philosopher Socrates said it best when he says, I know only one thing, that I know nothing. I find that statement to be ironically 100% true in my life. When I was young, I thought I knew all the stuff, lots and lots of stuff. But the older I got, the more educated I began, I realized that I knew nothing at all. The more time I spent in the word, the more I realized how vast and great God is and how I could never fathom or, or even imagine God's thoughts or his plans. And there is freedom in not knowing. And there is freedom in relying on God, who is the all-knowing. We can also learn to recognize our triggers. We can cultivate meekness and self-control, submitted to God, we must recognize what triggers us. What, what causes us pain? What causes us anger? What causes us fear and anxiety? We must self-reflect. We must reflect on what tempts us. Identify those things and address those things. Set up boundaries that will help you deal with those triggers. Allow the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you in recognizing those triggers and addressing them. Because if there's anything that we can trust is that the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus will let us know about ourselves. We can learn to allow ourselves to heal and process our grief. Triggers can come from personal grief, like Pastor Keith said last week. Our triggers can cause unwanted and exaggerated reactions that surprise us and everyone else around us. These reactions stem from unresolved hurts and pain. And when we don't deal with them, we suffer and everyone around us suffers as well. Because we can't be all that God created us to be because we carry the burden of grief and it continuously weighs us down. It reminds me of if you had a bad day at work and then you come home and then your kid asks you for McDonald's or they ask you, you know, mom, what's for dinner? And then you snap at them. You snap at them not because they asked you what's for dinner. You snap at them because you had a rough day at work, right? That is what we called misplaced hurt. And so when we grieve our brokenness, like Pastor Keith said, it allows us to address our triggers, bringing healing to those areas and leading us to self-control. We can't rush healing because it happens slowly. It doesn't happen in our time. And there are lessons to be learned in the process. And if we rush that process, we'll never truly learn the lessons. In order to cultivate meekness, we must be teachable. And this one is one of my favorites. If we recognize our own ignorance, our triggers, allow ourselves time to heal, process our grief, and learn the tools necessary, then we will be able to take action and make changes where necessary. There is no value in becoming self-aware and remaining the same. You don't know what you don't know. Learning is not proof of your ignorance or lack of knowledge. Learning is proof that we have a desire to grow. For Christians, learning means discipleship, growing in the likeness of Christ. You see, every disciple is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple willing to be taught. 
Let's go back to our verse, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So where's the blessing and the promise in all of this? First, blessed is just not being happy. Happy is a shallow emotion based on our circumstances. But the word blessed, which is used in each of the Beatitudes, is a very special word. It is the Greek word makrios. Makrios describes joy, which is serene, untouchable, and self-contained. That joy which is completely independent of all the chances and changes in life. Therefore, in our meekness, we experience joy and peace that is not determined by our circumstances. So whether everything is great or everything is falling apart, we remain full of joy. And the promise, the promise is that we will inherit the earth. Our hope as believers in Christ is not that we look forward to inhabiting a particular country or land or continent. It means that we live our lives on earth in relationship with Christ, which is experiencing his kingdom of God now. But we will eventually inherit the earth, abiding with Christ and enjoying an entirely recreated earth and heavens, according to Revelation chapters 20 through 22. Christian uh, Schmucker said it perfectly when she says, the kingdom of God is now and the kingdom of God is coming. It is already and not yet. He reigns now in our hearts and someday he will rule over every part of creation. The kingdom of God is in us because he is in us. That is the blessing and that is the promise that we have a God who wants to do life with you and me. And that when we dwell in him and delight in his presence, that we will reflect his character. When I demonstrate self-control, what I'm doing is demonstrating my citizenship in the kingdom of God and rejecting my citizenship here on earth, in this world. You see, this is not our home. So there's no need to get comfortable here. To develop our meekness, we must build upon the first two beatitudes. Remember those? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So I, I want to wrap this up by reading you this amazing quote. Because in, in, in order to get to the third beatitude and in order to build meekness in our lives, we have to be po poor in spirit and we have to mourn. Sinclair Ferguson said it best. When we know what we are before God, and we look to him for grace and salvation, then we become poor in spirit. And then we mourn our sins, having seen ourselves as we really are. We bow to his will in all things. And as we experience the gentleness of grace, we are meek and gentle with others. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day that you have given us for the opportunity to hear your word, Father. I pray for every single person out there, Lord, that's watching right now, that we may grow in meekness, Father, that our joy, Lord Jesus, may not be dependent on what's happening around us, Father, but that we may find peace and solace in who you are. Lord, that, with, that, that when we submit to you, Lord Jesus, that all our passions, all our desires may come under control of who you are. 
Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you love this message and you feel like you want to hear this message again, or you want to send this to somebody else that you think could really hear this message and really could use this message right at this moment, we have a link below in the comments. And if you use that link, you could share that with all your friends. Guys, I hope that you have an amazing day and we will see you next week. And don't forget to keep up with us on YouTube and on Facebook.